What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies Don't Worry, Darling, Blonde, and See How They Run. First, let's talk about the movie Don't Worry, Darling. Here's a quick synopsis. Alice is living with her husband, Jack, in a hidden community while he works on a top-secret project, and she begins to question everything about her so-called ideal life. The film stars Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Chris Pine, Gemma Chan, Olivia Wilde, Nick Roll, Timothy Simons and Kiki Lane. Standout performances. 2019 was a breakout year for Florence Pugh as she starred in both Ari Aster's Midsommar and Greta Gerwig's Little Women where she received her first Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress. And you could seriously make a legitimate argument she should have been nominated for both movies. In her early career she's been in movies that are equally as good as she is. That's sadly not the case with Don't Worry Darling where she plays Alice and she's good not great in this movie but she's not given many great screen partners I will say I do think that this kind of movie is good for Florence Pugh's career overall because she's in a movie that is culturally relevant a lot of people were talking about Don't Worry Darling before the movie came out and they're still talking about Don't Worry Darling and for as big as Florence Pugh is right now she could become even bigger because she has some big movies coming out Dune Part 2 from Denis Villeneuve, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, and she will reprise her role as Yelena from Black Widow in Marvel's upcoming Thunderbolt film with Sebastian Stan. Pugh has and will continue to prove that she is a movie star. Pugh's best scenes in this movie were the ones she shared with Chris Pine, who started out his career playing a charming prince in The Princess Diaries 2. Now he's playing a sinister villain. His character in this film, Don't Worry Darling, reminded me of Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master, a man who thinks he has all the answers. Pine has had a good year with this movie and two leading roles in All the Old Knives and The Contractor. I'm really excited to see Pine in the film version of Dungeons and Dragons. He's also going to be directing for the first time with The Pool Man. I have to talk about Harry Styles who plays Jack in Don't Worry Darling. I was a fan of his work on Nolan's Dunkirk, even though he barely spoke. I was interested to see him in this movie and I agree with most people. He's not good. Where I disagree with is I don't think it's his fault. I don't think his character Jack is interesting at all. In fact, the dullness of all the other male characters will make you appreciate Chris Pines' performance in this movie even more. For Styles, he's not an actor who can make something out of nothing. He needs to be in a movie that elevates him and Don't Worry Darling fails him. Pugh is able to still be interesting with bad material, but Styles isn't that kind of caliber actor. I feel like this movie let Harry Styles down, not the other way around. Don't Worry Darling has had controversy after controversy that all connects back to director Olivia Wilde, who made the critical hit Booksmart. I, like everyone, was excited for her sophomore feature. There is also no doubt a lot of these bad reviews and pylons are because of these controversies. But make no mistake, this movie is bad on its own. It doesn't need these controversies. This is a movie that is not very good. And I'm not sure if it's because the movie is too ambitious or lazy, so I'll go with both. The plot is bonkers, and there is a mind-numbing twist that falls flat. I say this all the time on this podcast. A good movie has a consistent tone, where everyone feels like they are in the same movie. 
Don't worry, darling, lacks that. Pew and Pine are doing one thing while everyone else is doing something else. The movie also wastes some great talented people in both Gemma Chan and Kiki Lane, who claims that most of her scenes were cut out of the movie. A lot of people are talking about the futures of the people involved in Don't Worry, Darling, and I don't think Florence Pugh or Chris Pine will be negatively impacted by this movie. Harry Styles has a music career. The one person I wonder about is Olivia Wilde. Every interview she says something wrong about this film. I'm just curious to see if a major movie studio is going to give her a lot of money to make what she wants ever again. And who will want to work with her? She's reportedly feuded with Florence Pugh, has gone back and forth with Shia LaBeouf who was originally going to be in this movie. I believe she's a good director but I'm not sure she's ever going to recover from this. I also think she just overhyped her own film. She was comparing it to movies like Christopher Nolan's Inception or Jordan Peele's Get Out. Like she was just overhyping this film so that when it came out it had to be very good or we were all going to be really harsh on it. Overall, I walked away from Don't Worry Darling wondering if there was a good movie somewhere in there. And after thinking about it, no. Because I don't know what the message of the movie is. I didn't like the twist. Even under the best circumstances, this is a massively flawed film that isn't even as entertaining as it should be. I was expecting something great. I was a big fan of Booksmart. I loved that movie. I love what Caitlin Deaver did in that movie. I thought it was one of the best directorial debuts I'd ever seen. Olivia Wilde did a great job. She just couldn't handle everything that was Don't Worry Darling. I do think it was a little too ambitious and I also think she was a little lazy or the plot or the script was just a little too lazy. They were trying to move the movie forward in ways that just didn't make sense. If you have a big twist, you have to earn that big twist. I do think twists in movies are a dangerous tool because yes, when they are successful, the whole movie comes together but when they don't work, the movie falls apart and that's what ended up happening with Don't Worry Darling. That's why it's hard to rely on a twist. That twist better work because if it doesn't, you get something like Don't Worry Darling. That being said, the movie wasn't all that good before the twist. Like some movies do fall apart because of the twist. Like an M. Night Shyamalan movie like The Village. The Village is a really good movie and then there's a twist that doesn't work for everyone. But I think we could all admit that before the twist, we were all really liking The Village. That was not the case with Don't Worry Darling. I think the movie falled apart because there wasn't a consistent tone. It's disappointing because I so badly wanted Don't Worry Darling to be one of the best movies of the year and it's far from that. And it's sad that the combination of Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde just didn't work out for whatever reasons. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Blonde. Here's a quick synopsis. Norma Jean tries to separate her personal life from her career as one of the biggest stars in the world, Marilyn Monroe. The film stars Ana de Armas, Adrian Brody, Bobby Cannavale, Julianne Nicholson, Sarah Paxton, Evan Williams, and Xavier Samuel. Standout performances. Ana de Armas the last few years has been stealing movies left and right. She was the best thing about Knives Out, The Gray Man, and No Time to Die, and is now given her first big leading role playing an icon in Marilyn Monroe. Here's my take. She might not be the person on earth who most resembles Monroe in the way she looks or talk, but on screen, she has movie star charisma and is always the most interesting thing on screen. 
screen, which is an ability someone playing Marilyn Monroe must possess. It's a heartbreaking performance and one of the very best of the year. The other performances I enjoyed from the film come from Xavier Samuel and Evan Williams, who play the sons of Charlie Chaplin and Edward Robinson. There's one scene in particular where the duo share with Marilyn how painful it is to be living of the shadows of famous fathers. That I thought was the best scene of the movie. Because all Dearmas' Monroe wants in her life is a father, and there are these two people telling her that's not as great as you think it is. We have that, and we're both as miserable as you are. The director of Blonde is Andrew Dominic, who in my opinion has made one of the very best modern films in 2007's The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. It's one of the best looking films you'll ever watch and has great performances from Brad Pitt, Casey Affleck, Sam Rockwell, and Jeremy Renner. And in it, Dominic is dealing with the legacy of a larger than life figure, Jesse James. So one would think he would be the perfect director to make a movie about Marilyn Monroe. And here, in my opinion, is the differences between the two films. The assassination of Jesse James is about the people around Jesse James and how they fear him. This movie is all Marilyn all the time. She's in every scene. Here's where the movie worked for me. The look of it is marvelous. It's what you expect from an Andrew Dominic film. Where it failed is it's a one-note movie. It's all bad all the time for Dearmas' Monroe. Even during the good times, we find out later on they weren't so good. And I get it. The movie did not want to sugarcoat her life and Dominic clearly wanted to sell the message that seeking fame and fortune will not lead you to happiness. Blonde tries to simplify Monroe's life by saying she was seeking a father figure in people like Joe DiMaggio, played by Bobby Cannavale, and Arthur Miller, played by Adrian Brody. Monroe is more complicated than just that. The movie in that aspect did not do her justice. It's well documented. She lived a rough life, but it wasn't all dread like in this movie. The Marilyn Monroe movie I would want would be more like Spencer, the movie about Princess Diana, where yes, it portrays how difficult her life was, while also showing the human quality that made her special in the first place. Blonde fails to humanize Monroe. They don't give her any light moments. Blonde is attracting buzz for numerous reasons, and a lot of them bad. Before the movie came out, it was announced it was NC-17 due to some graphic scenes. Mainstream audiences just don't watch movies with that rating. It's also being called out for its historical inaccuracies. It is worth noting that Blonde is adapted from a book that claims to be loosely fictional. But when you make a movie about Marilyn Monroe, most people will look at it as the truth. It's possible that the movie is emotionally true, but most of the facts are blurry to say the least. Then you have interviews with Dominic, which makes it seem like he can't understand the counter-argument that Monroe is more than the bad things that happened to her. I love two of Dominic's films, Jesse James and Killing Them Softly, which has great performances from two deceased legends in James Gandolfini and Ray Liotta, and a fun turn from Brad Pitt. He's an underrated filmmaker, but it's fair to say that he's not the ideal person to make a movie about Marilyn Monroe. Like Olivia Wilde, Andrew Dominic is being called out for the movie he's made, but I think the difference is Andrew Dominic made the movie he wanted to make. I 100% think that Andrew Dominic knew the kind of movie 
he was making when it comes to Blonde. I think he made the movie he wanted to make. With Olivia Wilde, I don't think she understands the movie she made. I don't think she understands it. I think Andrew Dominic knows what he makes. The problem is, most people don't like the movie Blonde. Oscar chances. I thought this movie may be a major awards contender. Sadly, it won't be. The one in play is De Armas's Best Leading Actress. I think she's deserving. Michelle Williams was previously nominated for playing Monroe in My Week with Marilyn, but there's a part of me that thinks the bleakness of this movie will keep De Armas from getting a nomination. Overall, I think Blonde is a very well-made movie with a great performance, but it is just not enjoyable or entertaining watch. It's a struggle to get through. I think it's good in that it's a movie that accomplishes what it wants. I just don't agree with what it's after. Blonde is in this weird space where I wouldn't put it in one of the worst movies of the year and I wouldn't put it in one of the best movies of the year. It's just there and it's a really complicated movie. This is the challenge of making a movie about an iconic figure like Marilyn Monroe. Some people will be really happy. Some people will say the movie's too nice about towards someone. Another person will say the movie was too harsh against someone. You just have to find that middle ground that this movie never found and I don't think was ever looking for. Let's switch gears one final time and talk about the movie See How They Run. Here's a quick synopsis. A cynical inspector and a young rookie try to solve a murder that took place during a play adaptation of the Agatha Christie book The Mousetrap. The film stars Sam Rockwell, Saoirse Ronan, David Oyelowo, Adrian Brody, Harris Dickinson, Ruth Wilson, and Shirley Henderson. Standout performances. When an American actor does a British accent, it can go one of two ways. They are okay at it, or the internet mocks them for decades to come, like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins, Keanu Reeves in Dracula, Kevin Costner in Robin Hood, and Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven. Luckily for Sam Rockwell, I thought his British accent was okay and not embarrassing at all. I liked him in the role of a guy trying to solve a murder, but is over it. Rockwell continues to play as many different characters as he can. My favorite thing about this movie, See How They Run, is it lets Sir Sharon and let loose and have fun. She gets to be something she's never been on screen before. The comedic relief. Sadly, this isn't going to be the performance that gives her her Oscar win we all think she deserves. I do like the fact that she's not chasing one. Ronan has been announced as the lead of Steve McQueen's next film, Blitz. I do have to say I was very upset after hearing that Saoirse Ronan does not have a part in Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie. I mean, that is my favorite actress-director combination. I love those two. They've made two of the best movies in recent years with Lady Bird and Little Women. I think Saoirse Ronan should be in every Greta Gerwig movie. See how they run is trying to do something that's very difficult to pull off. The movie is trying to comment on the genre of whodunit films while also trying to make an interesting and entertaining whodunit movie. Not to mention the added pressure of having Agatha Christie be a character in the movie. Does the movie pull it off? I think it's entertaining with a good cast. The plot itself just isn't up to par. The reveal of who the killer is just felt like a reach. I also don't usually care who the killer is in any of these kind of movies. The quality comes down to the performances. And while Rockwell and Ronan are given a lot to do, Adrian Brody and David Oyelowo are not. I wanted more out of them. The reason I loved Knives Out or the recent Apple TV Plus show, The After 
after party was not because of their plots, but because of the great performances they got out of their amazing cast. Some have compared See How They Run to a Wes Anderson movie, and I understand that comparison, mostly because there's two people in this movie that make you think about recent Wes Anderson movies, and that's Adrian Brody. Brody stars in most of the Wes Anderson films lately. I thought he was one of the best parts of The French Dispatch. He is a frequent collaborator of Wes Anderson. And then you also have Sir Sharonin, who I thought was great in the Grand Budapest Hotel. And then she also had a small role in The French Dispatch. So yes, you could watch this movie and say, wow, they are really trying to make this movie look and feel like a Wes Anderson film. Not only that, but this movie never has a real sense of real danger. And that's something that you feel mostly in Wes Anderson movies, that they're still enjoyable. Because yes, there's a threat. There's a literal murderer in this movie. But the movie doesn't take itself so seriously. There is a sense of humor. There is a specific tone that's going on in this movie that also makes it feel like it could have been made by Wes Anderson. We all know why more of these whodunit movies are coming out. Because of the success of Knives Out. I'm just not sure there's much more you can do to make this feel like a fresh genre and exciting. I'm going to watch them because these films attract major movie stars. I have no doubt that Ryan Johnson's sequel to Knives Out is going to be a great film. I just don't know about the viability of this genre over and over and over again. I think at some point it's going to become tired. I feel the same way about the reveal of who the killer is in these movies as I do about the twist. These movies are too reliant on that one thing. And this movie's reveal of who the killer is falls super flat. It just doesn't really connect to me when I saw it. I was like, okay, it's fine that it was that guy. That kind of makes sense. Like, they tried to make it so it would be logical and implausible at the same time. It felt like the movie was trying too hard to decide who the killer was. So they just decided, oh, it's going to be this guy because that kind of makes sense. And that kind of feels underwhelming. And I get it. You don't want the killer to be the obvious guy. Like, in Knives Out. It was kind of obvious that Chris Evans would end up being a not-so-decent guy. Like, even though that's a great plot, I think we could all watch that movie and go, well, Chris Evans isn't going to end up being a hero in all this. That's why I think these movies shouldn't care who the killer is. They should just try to be as entertaining as possible. And this movie just isn't. It is a very entertaining and fun movie with two really good performances. I think it needs at least one more really good performance performance to be considered a great movie. It's a very good movie. It's just not great. And I think there's a missing ingredient to it. Overall, see how they run as a solid whodunit that could have been great if either there was a great killer reveal or one or two more noteworthy performances. I wanted to love this movie, but sadly, I only liked it. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I recommend you do watch Don't Worry Darling and Blonde. They might be challenging watches. They might be complicated movies. They might not be very good movies. I do think it's interesting to watch these movies and see if maybe you have a higher opinion on them than I did. And I also recommend you watch See How They Run. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking about the career of actor Zac Efron and the movies Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and As They Made Us. So 
tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe.